Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 177 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. Um, we're not going to really break anything down, to be honest. I think the fights didn't really need breaking down. They were what they were. We're going to try to whiz through the review part of the show and bring in our first guest as soon as possible. We're going to start, though, at the Maritim Hotel in Saxon-Anhalt in Germany. Um, two fights really to mention over here. We got to see the heavyweight prospect, the young guy Tom Schwartz, move to 24-0. and It was for the WBO Intercontinental Heavyweight title, a win there against Christian Kr- who had a record of 17 and 1, now 17 and 2, a knockout in the second round there for Schwartz. Also on the bill, topping the bill, a good fight this one, by the way, on paper. Um, Ajit Kaviel, former opponent of uh, Derek Chisori, actually beat Chisori on points in Monaco a couple years back. Uh, he took on Andre Rodenko, a man with a record of 32 and 3. The three losses, I believe, came to Lucas Brown on points, Huey Fury on points, and I think it was Povetkin on points. Good fighter, durable fighter. Anyway, Caballero actually had him down in the mid-rounds. It was in, I think it was it was rounds 5-8, to eight, somewhere in there. I can't remember the exact round, but he had him down. But Rodenko, like the tough man he is, got up from the deck, managed to survive the entire distance. So it went 12 rounds, but it went in favour of the champion. Caballel, the, the EBU European heavyweight champion, um, a 12-round unanimous decision. He's now 19-0. and 0. Rodenko picks up another points loss, but still a tough, tough gatekeeper at that European level, if you like. And Caballel, another impressive name under his record. So uh, all the very best to Caballel. Yell. Some big fights for him down the line. I want to see him pushed on, but he's still a young guy. I think he's only 26. Moving out now to the East of England arena in Peterborough, Cambridgeshire, United Kingdom. A couple fights to mention over here. Um... Kez Ashfak, I didn't actually see the fight. I don't think they showed it on the TV. It must have been Facebook Live or something. He moved to 5-0, and a points win over six rounds against Fadihi uh, Majiha, who now has a record of 23-12 and with four draws. Uh, Anthony Sims Jr. picked up win number 18. We have tried to get him on the show this week, but it doesn't look like it's going to be happening. I think he's probably still in the air. I don't think he, he flew... Um, straight back to the United States. I think he stayed here for a couple of days. I'm not quite sure where he is now. But anyway, he is now 18-0. and oh, He had his man out there in the sixth round by TKO. Matteo Damian Veron now 28-22 and 22 with three draws. He was down twice in that sixth round. Richard Riakpo, 8-0. He took on Tommy McCarthy, 13-1. and one. It was a real 50-50 on paper. To be honest, Tommy McCarthy I felt was probably winning the fight. I think he's the all-round better boxer. But one thing about Riakpo, he really does 
carry that power, and it showed here. He was able to TKO McCarthy in the fourth round. It was for the WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight strap. McCarthy was down in the fourth round, I believe, um, at least once, and then I think the referee jumped in and stopped it, so a good win there for Riakpour. 9-0 and now, the perfect record. Lee Wood picked up a win against Abraham Bonsu, who's now 13-4 and with one draw. It was for the vacant Commonwealth featherweight crown. Lee Wood, the champion, now 21-1. and Bonsu was down twice in that second round, uh, and, uh, and of course knocked out in that second round. And the main event here, Jordan Gill, 23-0 and now. He fought for the vacant WBA international featherweight title against Emmanuel Dominguez, who's now 24-8 and with two draws. The fantastic thing about this is, Jordan Gill's still a guy that's I mean, where is he? Probably British level at the moment with with ambitions to go beyond that. Um, Nothing's really proven with him yet. I think his best win um, was obviously against the the Commonwealth champion. I always forget this guy's name. The guy that knocked out Reese Bellotti. Um, Anyway, he stopped him, didn't he, on the, uh, I think it was a copper box show. Um, can't think of the guy's name, but anyway, good fighter he was, he, he beat him, that was his best win really, this win here, you know, it's hard to rank amongst the other wins, because this guy is obviously pretty unknown to most people, um, Emmanuel Dominguez, the one impressive thing though is that he, he's only been knocked out uh, once prior to this fight, in his seven losses, and he was knocked out by Emmanuel Navarrete, the reigning WBO super bantamweight champion, the guy that beat Isaac Dogbay, so to only get stopped by him, and then Jordan Gills got in there with him and managed to stop him also, he's doing things that reigning world champions are doing, so that that really gets my respect there. Um Moving out now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. A couple things to mention over here. We got to see Mo Garib, the, the guy that I was talking about on last week's show. He managed to avenge his soul defeat. He was 3-1 and one going in, now 4-1. and one. He managed to beat Dean Evans in the rematch, the journeyman. Now 8-28 and 28 with two draws. Perhaps there'll be a trilogy. I'm not quite sure, but it's great for Mo Garib. I mean, I'm really happy for him. A real nice guy. A young man that, um, you know, stepped in the ring against a very crafty guy like Dean Evans. Much better than his record Jess, and you know, he lost the fight, it was a four-rounder, he got put down twice, I think it was the first and third round, and it completely derailed his plans, I mean, he was probably expecting to at least get to 10-0 and without taking a loss, and it all went wrong for him there, and like I say, credit to him for not going another route, and taking the immediate rematch, he's decided to go away, prepare better, and then they upped it from a four-rounder to a six-rounder, so he had a bit more time, just in case he was to, to get knocked down again, but it wasn't to be, it was a perfect win for him over six rounds, so uh, fantastic for Mogarib, very pleased for him, but the main event here, Miles Shinkwin, 15-4, and four, stepped in against Kirk Garvey, 11-2, and two. it was for the English light heavyweight title, it ended up being a fantastically, um, well, fantastically fought fight from both guys, I believe, um, it was very, very close, I didn't score the fight, but Miles Shinkwin ended up on the wrong end of a decision, I think... Uh, like I say, I wasn't really scoring it, but I think that Miles Shinquin did enough to win. He is a friend of the show. I'm not being biased there. Um, he came on he came on strong in the later rounds also. Miles Shinquin, a loss there, like I say, over 10 on a split decision. Um, I think he's even said he's going to go away and think about things before really, you know, doing anything else. And he could end up retiring, which, which is a real shame, actually, because he's a guy that I feel has seriously been a real underachiever in boxing. Uh, Miles Shinquin, 15-5 and five now. Kirk Garvey, 12-2. and two, A new strap for him, the English light heavyweight title. There can be some big fights made for him there. Uh, moving out now to the Trump Turnberry in Scotland, United Kingdom. This was a bit of a crazy show, to be honest. Um, it, it, it was like a... Uh, 
a show that took place in some kind of hotel lobby or foyer or something like that. Um, yeah, so Lucas Brown, 27-1, and one, the former WBA heavyweight world champion. What on earth was he doing in Scotland? Nobody knows. Well, we do know, to be fair. He was fighting a guy that he thought he'd beat quite easily as a little bit of a keep-busy fight before he takes on Dave Allen. Well, anyway, Camille Sokolowski, I said it to Lucas Brown, and I know that everyone that's listening to me right now remembers the interview when we had Lucas Brown on about two weeks ago, and I said, why? This guy's a complete banana skin. He's knocked out prospects. Eddie Hearn and Dave Allen have begged you to not take this fight. Why are you taking it? And he thought, do you know what? The guy's going to probably test me. I'm going to get the rounds in, and it's what I need before a Dave Allen fight. No problem. He probably didn't expect to get knocked down in the second round, but he did get up, and he did fight well, and to be honest, I felt he did pretty good with his head movement, his boxing. I think after being dropped, it wasn't a heavy knockdown. He kind of got caught off balance. It was like a short kind of left hook. It was hard to see if it was a short left hook or like a quick jab, and it wasn't shown on TV. Everyone was watching it on an Instagram Live, which is just madness. We're seeing a former heavyweight world champion fighting on Instagram Live in some in some horrible foyer in a hotel in Scotland. It was quite bizarre, but it was what it was. He got the win, and for me, it was fair. Some people believe that... that um, Camille Sokolowski got robbed. No way can you call it a robbery. It was a very close fight with that knockdown. But other than that, I thought that Brown fought really well. Obviously, to get knocked down is not a great thing, but I don't think it's done too much to the fight. I think him against Dave Allen is probably more exciting now. It's probably going to be more of a closer fight now for most people. Uh, Moving out now to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. The final bill to mention of the review part of the show. Over here, we got to see the brother of Gary Russell Jr., Antonio Russell. He moved to 13-0. He took on Jose Cardenas, 16-4 now. Cardenas was down in the first round, but he got TKO'd in the sixth round of a scheduled eight. Edwin Rodriguez picked up win number Number 31, he's got those two losses, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Mitch Williams, now 16-7 and seven with three draws. Luis Ortiz against Christian Hammer. Many people thought that Ortiz would be able to get him out of there really quick, you know, because obviously Tyson Fury um, was able to stop Hammer. Since then, I think Hammer has really, really improved as a fighter since then. He's, he's not been stopped since Tyson Fury. He went the distance with Povetkin. He's got a couple of good wins. He did get put down against Price, which was a bit questionable, but he got back up up and knocked him out. I think he's a much better improved fighter now than he was when he fought Tyson Fury. And for me, he is a steady kind of fringe world level I don't really want to call him a gatekeeper. That might be a bit disrespectful. I think he's still got a few big fights to offer us. But... Some people are trying to take that away from him and saying that Luis Ortiz looked a bit old. Perhaps it was a bit of both. You know, it was it was a decent fight. It was a bit too competitive for me. And I was shocked, as everybody else was, for it to actually go the full 10 rounds. But uh, Luis Ortiz did win very clearly. So 31 wins. Now one loss, of course, to Deontay Wilder. And Christian Hammer picks up another loss there. 24-6 and six in his 30 fights. Um, but the losses have come to good men. So no real shame for Christian Hammer. There's still some big nights ahead for him but Luis Ortiz I mean uh, you know it really touches you when you when you see the story that he's got going on outside the ring obviously his daughter has got a real rare um, skin condition and you know the doctors have been trying to find cures and it's a real emotional thing and to see his daughter there cheering him on you know it really kind of makes you get behind Luis Ortiz I think he's he's you know he's made a fan out of me now um, I, I, I really do support him but yeah he was he was being hit a bit too often for me and it was quite surprising because usually he's a slick southpaw but he didn't seem to be too slick on Saturday night and the main event here really um, Brian Castaño 
uh, or Castaño, I should say. He was 15-0, and 0, no blemishes. He took on Eris Landy Lara, the king of close fights, 25-3 and 3 with two draws going in for the WBA regular world super welterweight title, Castaño's belt, and it ended up being a split draw over 12 rounds. So a very, very close fight there once again. No surprises, like I say, for a Lara fight. But Castaño did really, really well. It was his, obviously, uh, his, his toughest fight of his pro career. Um, not many people knew that Castaño had a win over Errol Spence in the amateurs, so he's got that good pedigree. I said on last week's show, I think I said he was really young. He's actually 29 years of age. I can't remember if I said he's really young or if I said he's you know still an up-and-coming prospect, which in some light he is. But like I say, um, you know the guy is 29 years of age. He had that real extensive amateur career, and he's obviously not not a too bad professional. So some big fights for him also. Uh, that that 154 division, not many huge names, but really hotting up there. Some of the talent heard and Charlo throw Brook in the mix. Uh, that's about it though for the review part of the show. I've tried to whiz through that as quick as possible. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated flyweight world contender. It is, of course, Mr. Andrew Selby. Andrew, welcome back on the show. Yeah, hi, man. Nice speaking again. Yeah, it's always great speaking again. So, Andrew, we last spoke back in October. Yeah. It was just after your last fight. I'm going to I'm gonna talk about things in chronological order. Um, first mm. things first, December 22nd, your former opponent, Christopher Rosales, was relieved of his WBC world title on points by Charlie Edwards. I'm guessing you must have watched the fight. What did you make of it? Um, well, I didn't really watch it, to be honest. I, I clipped through highlights and... Charlie boxed really well, and by the looks of it, he stuck to his tactics. And if you've got a boxing brain, you've just got to hit and move a big puncher. And of course, I mean, I was going to say, you know, you fought Rosales and, you know, obviously the first round there was a hiccup for you, but you got up, you boxed excellently. I was going to ask whose win did you feel was better? But if you haven't really watched the fight in full, uh, you know, between Edwards and Rosales, it's probably not really fair to, to give an assessment. But on to the next question. Obviously, that WBC world title is, is what you've got your eyes on. You'll be fighting on March 23rd in a final eliminator. The winner will then be in that mandatory position to to take on Charlie Edwards, but first you must get through Julio Cesar Martinez Aguilar, and you've got to travel to Mexico for the fight. Do you know much about your man? I've watched a few fights on YouTube. He, he's a typical Mexican. He's a banger. He, he comes and knocks you out. But um, I ain't shy to fight anyone anywhere, so if it's got to be in Mexico, so be it. I, I'm just going to give my best uh, boxing ability and then hopefully come back with the win and hopefully the judges are a bit fair on the fight yeah that's one thing I want to ask you because you know you mentioned there about travelling to Mexico you'll fight anyone anywhere and I truly believe that but I feel like sometimes in your boxing career correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like sometimes you've perhaps lacked motivation and I want to ask you does this fight having to go to Mexico give you that motivation that you need because you know that you need to win very very uh, wide to get a decision you know that you need to be on top form does it give you that added motivation that you need yeah, it does. It gives me uh, motivation. Uh, being, well, probably I, I'm the underdog going there because we all know what a Mexican judge is like. They favour the, the Mexican fighters. But um, this uh, teaser, uh, what's the name again? Sorry. Aguilar. <laughs> Aguilar, yeah. Um, 
in his last seven fights, they've all been knockouts. So I'm going to try and take him to the later rounds and go for the knockout myself. Yeah, I was so, I was going to say that. I mean, his uh, his record obviously thirteen and one with ten knockouts. He's he's obviously a big puncher. He's got a higher knockout percentage than Christopher Rosales. Um, you know, his one loss was actually on his debut. It was a split decision in a four rounder, so you can't really read into that. And as you say, seven fights now in a row. Um, all, all, all stoppages, yeah. and the fight before that, he actually fought a former light flyweight world champion, and he pretty much shut him out over eight rounds, if I'm not mistaken. Edgar Sosa, the guy. Um, so yeah, a real, a real good fighter here. I'm guessing the fight's not going to be shown on UK TV, though. I haven't got a clue. Um, I just all I've been told, I'm, I'm going out there to fight. No one's told me what channel or is it going to be televised. It's just a job to me to go over there and get the win. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I'm just guessing because it's gonna it's gonna be like early hours of the morning over here because obviously Mexico are behind us in time about five six hours something like that. So yeah, I mean I hope it is on TV, but you know that that's one thing. Getting in the ring is the more important thing. Um, when do you fly out there, Andrew? Yeah. Obviously, you want to get there to try and acclimatize a bit. Um, we're flying two weeks today. So we're flying on the week of the fight. Um, it was my choice. I just want to go out there, fight, and just come straight back. And obviously, Andrew, people have been calling for this Charlie Edwards-Andrew Selby fight pretty much since you turned pro. Um, you know, whenever the fans want to see an all-British mega fight and two British fighters have really got world-class potential, the best thing, of course, is to wait until there's a world title on the line. Obviously, in boxing, there's many yeah. things that can prevent any given boxer from winning a world title, but Charlie's gone and done it. He's got the belt. This is surely the right time um, and, and the best time to make this fight should you get that win yeah that's it if I um, get the win then the fight's got to be made it has to be made and I, I, I'm just looking forward to it and you know you're you're one of my favourite fighters to watch, Andrew. You're you're undoubtedly one of the one of the most exciting flyweights in the world. But you are 30 years of age, and and of course you had a real extensive amateur amateur career. Honestly, how fresh do you feel in yourself? Please tell me that you've got many years left, Andrew. <laughs> well, if you um, watch my professional career, I I don't get hit much. True. I don't get thrown into wars. I had last year off, so. My, my my brain, it's got plenty of brain cells, so I'm I'm ready to. I think I can go up to 36 if I wanted to, fresh. Excellent, man, because I was looking at the top 10 in, in the flyweight division, and naturally, you think, oh, when you get to about 30, you're kind of at flyweight. They don't really tend to go on longer than, you know, into their 30s, not too deep into their 30s. But I was surprised to see out of the top 10, there's five people that are 30 or above. Uh, the problem is most of them yeah. have have won a world title already, and obviously, but, but some of them I think is even as old as thirty six. The the South African fight I can't remember the guy's name now, but yeah. Um, so so your time will hopefully come. And I want to talk about your brother, um, your brother Lee Andrew. We we yeah. like to always talk about him when you're on and you when he's on. Um, he fought the other the other week on the Degal Eubank undercard. W was you there? I didn't see you there. No, because um, I'm in camp myself yeah. training. I stayed on my watch there on TV though. And what did you make of it? I mean, it wasn't his easiest win by any stretch. No, it was a tough game fight. Um, the guy for he, he was a decent professional. Like my brother didn't just go in there of anyone. Like just 
just someone to beat up on. He was a, a game experienced fighter. And um, the first three rounds was a struggle, and then obviously he had the cut. But every time my brother started moving and boxing, he was winning the rounds clearly. Yeah, I think it was one of those fights also where, because it was so much, so much blood everywhere, it seemed to kind of, uh, you know, affect him from from being at his best. But yeah, I agree. I agree. He won the fight, and uh, he, yeah. he took a tough fight there because that guy, of course, hadn't been stopped. So it was a tough fight. I should mention all the uh, all this talk about Edwards and and Selby. In reality, I'm I'm kind of forgetting that Edwards on the same night as you defends his world title against uh, against Angel Moreno. Do you know much about him? I know that he sparred with Edwards in the past it seems like a bit of an easy first defence and he deserves it to be fair yeah um, I was meant to fight the same guy before and I'm not sure why it didn't happen he's, uh, he's very small he's strong but I think Edwards has stopped okie dokie and, uh, and finally Andrew we've kind of whizzed through the, the questions pretty quickly did you have anything else to say to our listeners at all before we let you go not really uh, thank you to my fans and stuff and Hopefully, you you will see me holding a world title belt in the near future. Absolutely, and uh, you know you're you're boxing on that on that twenty third, the same night as Charlie, which is fantastic because sometimes when you know we want to see a fight in the future, it's difficult when two guys are fighting at completely different times. But to think that you're actually fighting on the same night, I'm not quite sure when the mandatory will be called or whatever. But it seems like you're you're pretty much on the same time frame for a fight to happen. I'm guessing probably in the later part of of 2019. Will it be this year? Do you know, Andrew? Well, I was hoping it would be for the summer. Okay. So I'll, I'll be ready all year. Okay. So when, when, whenever, whenever it's being made, I'll be ready. I'm sure you will. But listen, Andrew, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. You know that, my friend. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for yeah. March 23rd in Mexico, and we'll catch up sometime after. Yeah, thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, what have you got? Right. Um, Kubrat Pulev will face Dino. Yeah, um, Bogdan Dinu, the guy that in his last fight got knocked out in four against Jarrell Big Baby Miller. I'm not quite sure why this fight's even going ahead. I'm expecting Pulev to absolutely smash through Dinu, um, even though, you know, uh, Kubrat Pulev's 37 years of age. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's obviously the older guy in, in terms of the two. But, yeah, it's a bit of a pointless fight, I think. It's, I think it's the first fight that Pulev is with top rank because he's now part of their stable so it's probably a bit of a showcase kind of fight um, I know that Michael Hunter's going to be sparring with Kubrat Pulev in the build up to this one and I think the sparring's going to be much tougher well I know the sparring's going to be much tougher than the actual fight itself but um, yeah it is what it is also on that undercard we get to see Jesse Magdaleno the first time he returns to the ring after losing his world title to Isaac Dogbay in Philadelphia he returns against Rico Ramos who has a record of 30 and 5 one of uh, Ramos's losses actually came to Rigondo. He got stopped in the in the sixth round, so uh, not really expecting him to have uh, too much to offer. I'm expecting Magdaleno to win that one. Any other news, Ayers? Luke Campbell will return to the ring on the undercard. John O'Carroll versus Tevin Farmer. Yeah, another name for the undercard. Is it no is it no opponent just yet? Obviously, Luke's a friend of the show now. Uh, no, no opponent as of yet. Okay, no problem. Uh, like I say, a friend of the show. All the very best to Luke Campbell. Any other news? Tiafoe Lopez will face Edis Tatley in a lightweight class on the Crawford v. Khan undercard in April 20th on New- in New York. Also, Shaquille Stevenson will face Christopher Diaz and Felix Fedeja will face Brian Vasquez. 
three seriously, seriously solid undercard fights there. This is looking like a fantastic card. I think it's going to be on pay-per-view in America. And to be honest, I mean, I know it's not really packed with huge names. I know Shakur Stevenson's a big name, but he hasn't really done much as a pro just yet. Um, you know, Vadejo, he's kind of... Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys, he was doing really well, and then he just spiraled badly, and then I'm not sure how many people are interested in, in him now, but those three fights you mentioned are all big 50, 50 well, not 50-50 fights, but they're big fights, some of them are 50-50s, so it's a solid undercard, in my opinion, there, for the hardcores. Is that it for the news? Yep, that's it for the news. Thank you very much, Ayaz. Right, moving over to the preview part of the show. We've got to start here at the Super Studio in Milan, Italy. A Matchroom Italy show with OPI since 82. One fighter to mention on the bill that's British. Jamie Cox, he's in against an opponent yet to be announced. Uh, 25-2 and two, Jamie Cox. He's gone under the radar massively when you think about it. I mean, don't even know the last time he boxed. Um, yeah, he's on that bill. Um, all the best to him. He's a friend of the show. Also, we should mention at the Royal Albert Hall in Kensington, London, United Kingdom, boxing is returning. It's going to be on BT Sport. Um, a great card. I really, really like the look of this one. Harvey Horn, 4-0, takes on Patrick Bartos, 14-20. and Bartos actually is, um, is a guy that he's fought before. And he fought on his debut, Patrick Bartos's brother. So I think that's three times in these five fights that he's had four. It's going to be the fifth one uh, this Saturday. So three of those guys have been brothers. So <laughs> he, he really likes beating up the Bartos family, but that's a four-rounder there. Also on the bill, we get to see Hamza Shiraz, a good prospect, 6-0. and He's in a six-rounder against Rod Douglas Jr., who's 2-1. and Lucian Reed, 8-0, is in a six-rounder against Indy Saga, who's 9-1. and um, Daniel Dubois, 9-0, and takes on Razvan Kajanu in a 10-rounder. Uh, Kajanu, 16-5, and been in there with the likes of Luis Ortiz, but his real claim to fame is the fact that he went the distance with uh, the the WBO heavyweight world champion, the former Joseph Parker, and it was a world title fight. Um, he went the distance with him. They were former sparring partners. Also on the bill, Anthony Yard, seventeen and O. He was obviously moved from the twenty third of March or the twenty third of February card in Leicester to, to to this one here. He still takes on the same opponent, Travis Reeves, seventeen and three with two draws for the WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight Title that belongs to Yard. Travis Reeves is actually trained by Hassim Rackman, the former heavyweight world champion, a friend of the show. We did a fantastic 40-minute interview at the start of the year. If you haven't seen it, you've got to check that one out. Also on the bill, Johnny Garton, 23-1 and one with one draw, defends his British welterweight title for the first time. He takes on Chris Jenkins, 20-3 and three with two draws, a good solid test there. And the main event, Liam Williams, 19-2 and two with one draw, takes on Joe Mullander, a real tough guy, 11-2. and two. That should be a real war. That, again, is for the British middleweight title. Really, really, really looking forward to that card. Um, I'm going to let my American friends on the pod know that if you've got ESPN+, Plus, please watch this card. It's going to be shown on there. This is going to be a real good night of boxing. Uh, it really, really is. Don't miss that. Um, let's talk about the predictions on that, by the way, Ayaz. I want to come to you first. Um, let's just go through this bill here. Liam Williams against Joe Mullander. How do you see that one? Okay, I'm going to go with Liam Williams to win by a knockout. Liam Williams by knockout. Okay, I'm going to go Williams by knockout also. And the listeners, it was very, very close. I just want to check this one out. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. It was. I think it was tied when I first, when, when I last looked. 
Um, they are going with Williams by knockout. Okay, so we've all gone Williams by knockout. I think it was quite it's quite staggering when you actually look at his last few fights. Williams, his last few wins, aside from the from the two defeats to Liam Smith, obviously one of them was quite controversial. But aside from those two hiccups, he's won every single fight by knockout since like 2013. And it was funny enough against a man that's not very popular, or in fact maybe very popular at the minute, Tyan Booth, the uh, the, the uh, boxer turned YouTuber. So uh, yeah. That's that's an interesting fact. So again, I've got to say, I think Williams by knockout. What about Daniel Dubois taking on Kajanu, a man that went the distance with Joseph Parker? I know that Dubois in his last fight, I think it was his last fight, went the distance with Kevin Kingpin Johnson. Could he go the distance here with Kajanu? Um, I'm going to go with Daniel Dubois to win by knockout because I think Daniel Dubois is going to step up big time this time. Obviously, um, he's only, he's still young at the moment, so I think he's going to knock Kajanu out. Yeah, I agree. So do the listeners. So we're all in agreement so far. Um... And the final fight to predict on on this bill, uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see Archie Sharp against Lucas Bellingau, but that didn't happen, um, you know, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. Archie was on the show talking about that one. Anthony Yard against Travis reeves I know we don't know tons about this American guy, but he got in there with Caro Murat. He got stopped in the 12th and final round. Murat's a proven kind of European-level guy. Um, how do you see that one going? Anthony Yard to win by knockout. Yard by knockout. So we all agree, once again, myself, you and the listeners. Right, moving over to the Brentwood Centre in Essex United Kingdom. Uh, we get to see over here, this is an MTK show, by the way. Shout out to Lee Eaton. Uh, we get to see Michael McKinson, 15-0. He defends his WBC International Silver Welterweight title against Ryan Kelly. Um, he really impressed me last time out, actually, McKinson, when he beat Sammy McNess. Um, it was a real good performance from him. Uh, Ryan Kelly, 13-1. and one. That's a 10-rounder, like I say. Mikey Saki, 7-2. Popular man on this podcast. He's the guy whose brother was saying, Come on, Mikey. It wasn't actually his brother, but it is to make the, the, the story cooler. He takes on Idris Hill, 8-2 and two, with two draws for the Southern Area Super Lightweight title. All the best to Mikey Saki, my friend. Go and do the business. Um, Lucas Belingle's actually been moved to this bill, so he's, he's still fighting on the same weekend. It's just not against Archie Sharp, and it's not at the Royal Albert Hall. It's at the Brentwood Centre. Uh, all the best to him. Also, Harley Ben, 5-0. and oh, He's in a four-rounder against a guy called Guy Board. Omier, who has a record of four wins, 33 losses, and one draw. Uh, moving out now to the Woodside Leisure Centre in Watford, Hertfordshire, United Kingdom. One or two fights to mention over here. Um, Zach Chelly, 5-0, and coming off that brilliant win against Umar Sadiq. Not quite sure what's happened since then. I think he needs a big fight. I think he was, you know... He was really experiencing some great support at the time, and I wanted to see him pushed on to some nice fights, not too deep in in the uh, in the challenge department. I mean, you know, he's still a young guy, he's still a, a prospect. He's only got the five wins, so we need to be steady with him. But there were big fights for him, there were big names, and I think he should be on a big stage. But he's not. This is an untelevised bill here, and. Um, he takes on Ladislav Nemeth, who's got a record of 13 wins, 55 losses, and 9 draws. That's a six-rounder there. Talking of the man that we just spoke about there, Umar Sadiq's also on the bill. He's in a four-rounder. His record, 3-1. and one. He takes on Richard Harrison, 3-32. and 32. Uh, Also on the bill... Um, no, that's about it for that one. 
that is about it for that one. Uh, moving out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. Um, this one's going to be on Fox, by the way. We get to see... Is it, is it, on, is it on ITV as well this, this weekend, I asked, do you know? Sean Porter. He's, what's that? Is, is Sean Porter on? I don't think so. Is ah, oh, what a shame! I'm not sure. What's, oh, I don't think so. What's going on with ITV? We need to know more about about what's going on there. Um, yeah, let's start with the the undercard. We get to see Jesus Quejar, uh, twenty eight and three. He's in an eight rounder against Carlos Padilla, who's got a record of sixteen and nine with one draw. Robert the Ghost Guerrero still fighting. Fight number forty two. He's thirty four and six with one draw. He takes on Hevinson Herrera, twenty four and sixteen with one draw. That's an eight-rounder there. Effia Jagba, 8-0, the guy that won a fight without even throwing a punch when his man jumped out of the ring and ran back up the stage and got in his car and shot off. Um, <laughs> he takes on Amir Mansour, an old guy. I think he's about 47 or something. It might, I could be doing a real injustice to him, but I'm sure he's about 47, but still a tough guy. Hasn't really had that many fights. Obviously, he took on the, uh, the, the bronze medalist in the 2016 Olympics who signed, I think, with with uh, Matram now, what's that guy's name, Tom Little fought him, um, so did um, Big Sexy Sean Turner, what's the guy's name, uh, Hergovic, Hergovic, I think he fought Hergovic, didn't he, Mansour, and he got stopped, but anyway, 23-3 and three with one draw, he's in against Effie Jagba, um, it's a good name for a Jagba's record, really, uh, also we get to see the main, well no, one fight actually that's really good, Damian Vasquez, 14-0, and 0. he's in a 10-rounder against Juan Carlos Payano, 20-2, and 2. that's a great fight, and the main event, we're going to do the predictions on this, Ayaz. Sean Porter, 29-2 and two with one draw, puts his WBC World Welterweight crown on the line against Yudenis Ugas, 23-3, and three, the Cuban. Um, how do you see that one unfolding? I think it's a, it's a good clash of styles, really. Um, I'm going to go with Sean Porter to win by a knockout. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be a statement, in my opinion. Um, Ugas has never lost uh, by knockout, I should say. He's got the three losses, like I mentioned, but... I think that Porter's going to win this one on points, but I think it is a good clash of styles, like I say. Um, yeah, so so for me, it's a good fight. And I just, I'm just i not too sure if Ugas has got the power to keep Porter from swarming him, and that's my only fear. So I can see Porter winning by knockout, but I also think because Ugas is quite tough and, you know, he, he's never been stopped, I think he will survive the distance. But the listeners are going Porter by knockout also, as So you and the listeners, unseparable at the moment. Um... And that's it for that build there. Moving out now to the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. Couple fights to mention. It's obviously an Eddie Hearn Matram USA show. It's going to be on Sky Sports. Uh, also, it's going to be on the TV in America somewhere. Um, a few a few promoters are actually involved in this one. Uh, about five different promoters. But anyway. Um, topping the bill. Dimitri Bivol, 15-0. and 0. He puts his WBA World Light Heavyweight title on the line against Joe Smith Jr. I has 24 and, and, and 2. Um, a good fighter, Joe Smith. Obviously, we see him uh, take out Bernard Hopkins and end his career. Joe Smith Jr., arguably, I think it was 2016 or 2017, arguably, he was fighter of the year who didn't win a world title. Good fighter. He can also punch. Should be a good fight for Bivol. Uh, I think it'd be a good fight uh, Bivol versus Joe Smith Jr. Obviously, Bivol, as we know, is a champion. Joe Smith Jr. is obviously a tough fighter as well. But if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Bivol, and I think Bivol's going to—I think Bivol will stop him. Okay. So I'm going to go Bivol by stoppage. Okay. Once again, you're in agreement with the listeners, and I'm going to go with the very unpopular opinion and say I think Bivol gets carried to points. I really do. Um, once again, Joe Smith's never been stopped. So, uh, 
Yeah, could be interesting that one. Also on the undercard, we got Sergei Kuzmin, fourteen and zero. Obviously, the guy that beat uh, that beat David Price. He takes on Joey DeWaco, nineteen and six with four draws. Could be interesting. Callum Johnson, seventeen and one. He's in a ten rounder against Shawnee Munahan, twenty nine and two. This is a good fight, by the way, Ayaz. How do you see that one going, actually? If I'm if I'm going to go with him, I'm going to go for the Brits. So I'm going to go with Callum Johnson to win on points. And we certainly hope so. Obviously, Callum Johnson coming off that defeat to Arta Baturbiev and also Shawnee Manahan coming off a defeat to, to Sullivan Barrera. Very wide. It was over 10 rounds. And then two fights before that, he got knocked out in two by Marcus Brown. So, uh, you know, Marcus Brown's looking phenomenal, obviously, the win over Badu Jack most recently. But should be a real good fight. It's somewhat of a 50-50, but I have to go with Callum Johnson by knockout. I think that he will get the job done. And also on the bill, we almost forgot there, Maurice Hooker. He defends his WBO World Super Lightweight title. His record 25 and 0 with those three draws. He takes on Mikel Lespierre, 21 and 0 with one draw. That's a 12 rounder there. All the very best to Mighty Mo Hooker. And the final bill to mention, it's actually happening on Sunday, which will be the 10th of March. It's happening at the Royale Nightclub in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. couple fights to mention. Um, Erkan Tepper, he's in a 10-rounder. No opponent just yet. 19-3, and three, his record former opponent, of course, of David Price. And also on the bill, the return to the ring of Malik King-Scott. Friend of the show, he's on the intro every week. 38-3 and three with one draw. Hasn't been in a ring since, I think it was a Tony Thompson win. Or no, I think it was the, I think it was the Luis Ortiz when they fought in in Monaco and he fought absolutely awful and didn't win a round. Malik, um, it could have been that one, but that's a ten round fight again. His opponent yet to be announced. I think they should just put Tepper and Malik Scott in together because both men are without an opponent. Both men are scheduled for ten round fights. Put that on. I'd like to see that better than any last minute opponents that can get drafted in. But anyway, that's about it for the 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 preview part of the show. That's pretty much the entire show. Just before we wrap it up, the last thing to do of course is to welcome our second and final guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the wbc diamond super lightweight world champion it is of course the undefeated mr regis progre regis welcome back Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. What's up with it? Hey, not too much, my friend. It's just great to have you back on the show once again. So, Regis, we last spoke in November, not really too long ago. Um, it was just after the, the Flanagan win, obviously, your last fight. Since then, there have been several rumours regarding the World Boxing Super Series tournament collapsing. Were you kept in the dark about it? Were you perhaps well-informed? Were you worried that it was falling apart? What was your position while all these rumours were floating around? I mean, all that stuff was just rumors to me, you know. Um, it was, yeah, it was uh, like I said, it was all kinds of rumors going around that around that it was going to crash and they didn't have money and you know even people close to me in my camp really thought that it was going to be over. But I kept my faith and I thought I won. You know, I signed up for the series because the, it's the best fight and the best, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to fight the best. I wanted to fight for the belts and fight for the money. So, you know, that's why I kept my faith and you know. I stuck with it basically, and um, they came through, and we was really like actually probably about to pull out the tournament. You know, we, I was real, real close to pull out the tournament, and then it was like um, they just all of all, out the blue. They told me they gave me everything that I wanted, and you know that's why I stayed in. And the fight date has now been set for your showdown against Kirill Relic. The date is April twenty seventh. No venue confirmed just yet. Do you know when we're likely to hear about that, Regis? No, it's, it's going to be April 27th in Lafayette. In where, sorry? 
Lafayette, Lafayette, Louisiana. Oh, okay, 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 cool. That's uh, that's that's not too far from you, is it? No, no, it's um, it's actually halfway between New Orleans and um, Houston. So yeah, so it's it's not that bad. It's halfway. Okay, excellent. And obviously, Relic is a guy that we know over here fairly well. Um, he's never been stopped. But every boxer that I've spoken to, when I've asked them about this fight, they believe that you will become the first man to stop him. Do you also believe that, Regis? You know what? I don't know, man. Um, I'm gonna just go out there and I'm gonna do my thing. I'm definitely gonna go out there and I'm gonna I'm gonna apply the pressure to him. And you know, if I whatever I need to do, I'm gonna go out there. If I need to box him, I'll box him like I did Flanagan. If I need to apply pressure, I'll do that. Um, so, but I'm definitely gonna go out and I'm going. Not necessarily say I go for the knockout, but I'm gonna go and I'm gonna try to hurt him just like I try to do all my opponents. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna just you know I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna be the rule basically. The Ruguru for sure. And um, have you watched much of Kirill Relic, um, Regis? If if so, what are your thoughts on him as a fighter? Uh, I mean, I know he's strong. I know he's tough. Um, I really haven't watched much of him, to be honest. You know, just like I don't watch, you know, I re- I usually never really watch my opponents and stuff like that. So um, I I seen him fight live. I seen him fight live when he won the WBA belt on a Mikey Garcia on the card when he fought um. What's his name? The Samurai. I forgot. But yeah, I saw him when it. When, when Mike Garcia fought Sergey Lipinitz, I saw him, you know, uh, Relic was on the undercard and I was there live and I saw him fight. But it's, as far as anything else, you know, I, I haven't really, you know, you know me, I don't study my phones. I don't worry about that stuff. I just, I, I know every fight is a tough fight and I go out there and I do my thing, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. And I don't want to get this wrong, um, but but you're promoted or managed by the same man that manages um, Ivan Baranchik. Promoted, promoted. Me and Lou DeBella. Lou DeBella. Lou De, I said, yeah, Lou DeBella. Me and Ivan is promoted by Lou DeBella. Okay, cool. Because again, there were very, very strong rumors about his promoter uh, pulling him out of the fight with Josh Taylor. And that was a rumor that really went on for a long time. We, you know, are you able to shed any light on that at all? Um, was it just a I similar think, situation? I, think true. I mean, I, I actually, I think it's true. I think he's still not going to fight. Um, I, I don't think he's going to fight Josh Taylor. Um, because it's supposedly it's gonna be in Scotland, and that's from what I'm hearing, that's true. That's supposed to be true that he's pulling out the tournament, and you know that's like I said, yeah. From what I'm hearing, that is true. Those rumors are true about Aaron Barrencha. He's gonna, he's not gonna fight Josh Taylor because I, I feel like he feels that you know he's a champion and he doesn't have to go to Scotland, you know, as the champion to fight somebody. He can go get some money somewhere else. So yeah, I think that is. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's true bit of a shame really obviously it was going to be a good fight but things move on um talking of other fighters uh regis i want to get your take on next weekend's fight it's it's a fantastic showdown obviously but the the only problem is some people think he might just be a little bit too small mikey garcia against errol spence um what's your thoughts on that a brilliant fight though surely same thing i think i think errol's too big for him i think he's too strong i, I know mikey's real good but um I just can't see him beating Errol Spence, you know. I just, I really can't see him beating Errol Spence. Errol Spence is, is just, I mean, to me, he's the best 147-pound fighter in the world right now. You know, he's on top. He's definitely on top right now. So, and, and, and not only that, you know, it's not only his skills. He's just so big. He's so strong at 147. And Mikey is coming up. He's a 35-pounder. You know, he went up to 40 and, and fought Lippinus. But, you know, that, that don't really prove nothing, you know, um, he really couldn't hurt Lippinitz. You know, he dropped Lippinitz and Lippinitz got back up. Same thing with um, Robert Easter. You know, at 135, he, you know, he dropped them, but they got back up. So, you know, it's just 
putting him in the, putting him in with somebody like Errol Spence is just I think that yeah, I think I think Errol hurts him. I think Errol stops him, matter of fact. Youch. Um all right, not going off in a in a, in another direction here, but a lot of people believe if Mikey does pull off the win over Spence, then he's undoubtedly mm-hmm. number one pound for pound. Um would you agree with that? Do you think that's fair to place him there if he beats Spence? Uh, I wouldn't say number one pound. I mean, it'll it'll be tough to argue it, but um, I think I still think um, Usyk is number one pound for pound. I think you know his that just that resume what Usyk did. I mean, I think that you know he still can be at the number one. But yeah, Mikey, it's it's possible. You know, if he beats Errol Spence, then yeah, he could be. It, it can be back and forth between him and him and Usyk. For sure. And Tiafimo Lopez, a man that, uh, you know, a lot of boxing fans are talking about, he's announced that he will be moving up to 140 in 2020. Um, you guys have, have, mm-hmm. have sparred before, I'm guessing. What's your what's your thoughts on him as a fighter, Regis? No, we never, we never sparred ever. Really? Um, I I, never I'm sparred. sure I saw a picture of no. you guys both with your, your T-shirts off in a ring somewhere. Oh, no, no. You probably saw at the that press conference because he fought on my undercut before. Wow, I'm sure I saw a picture of you both yeah. with, with boxing gloves on in a gym somewhere in the ring together. Maybe nah, I'm wrong. Not, not me and him, no, no. I never spoke with him before. Um, he he fought on my undercut in New Orleans on, in July. And so maybe you saw something like that. But yeah, me and him never spoke before. Uh-uh. Good addition to the division, though, if he comes up. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be real good. You know, let him come up. You know, um, shit. Just tell him stay away from me because I'm a hurt of that. But yeah, if he wants to come, bring him up. Bring him up. Bring him up to 140, and I'm gonna prove that I'm the most dangerous 140 pound fight in the world. And you know, not many people. And, and, and I'm the I'm the problem. Yeah. For sure, and and the the final real couple questions here, Regis Jose Ramirez boxed last month, and in some people's eyes, he scraped that majority decision over Zapita. Um, many people felt that Zapita perhaps even won the fight. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Did you watch it? I watched. I watched until about the seventh round, and I had to go. Um, and from what I watched, same thing. I don't think nothing changed over the twelve rounds. Um, I, so I think, yeah, I thought that you know. Zapata could have definitely could have won that fight. Of course, it was in Ramirez's hometown, Fresno, so he didn't get the decision. But yeah, I mean, Jose Ramirez to me is you know he's he, he's okay as a fighter. He's not that you know he's just not that good. Like talking about it, um, you know, and somebody like Zapata. I mean, Zapata's a good fighter. He's you know he's um he's awkward and you know as a southpaw. But yeah, he he got a he definitely got a um a, a nice Christmas gift or whatever. Doing that fight. And the final question, Regis, any closing message, any any closing words to, to your UK fans or any any fans really that could be listening to this? What's your message before we let you go? Man, just keep watching. I'm going to keep knocking all of them out. That's all. You know, keep watching, keep watching me doing my thing. I'm going to keep winning. I'm going to keep whooping everybody. And, you know, all around the world, that's what I want to do. I want to become a world champion so I could fight all around the world. So, especially in the UK, you know, you the UK is, you know, y'all known for fighters and y'all known for just having like very very good fans and y'all support y'all fighters a lot so one day i cannot wait to come over there you know and defend my belt you know hopefully it'll be soon but i definitely can't wait to come over there one day and you know defend my title uh fight for a title fight a world champion over there but i definitely want to fight in the uk eventually one day hopefully in the next year Fingers crossed, my friend. Not just myself. I'm sure a lot of people would love to see you over here. But listen, Regis, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, my my friend. You know that. Best of luck for April 27th, and we'll catch up sometime after. 
All right, cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, and this wraps up episode 177 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the undefeated flyweight world contender, Mr. Andrew Selby, and the undefeated super lightweight world contender, Regis Progray. Both men undefeated, both men on the verge of becoming world champions. Hopefully 2019 can be a fantastic year for them. The only other piece of news really to mention is that the WBC have now ordered Wilder to defend his title against Brazil. For me, it's not really too surprising. Um, You know, it's always been up in the air about who the actual mandatory is between White and Brazil. It's been a little bit confusing and the WBC haven't really made it too easy to understand. But for those that listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you'll probably know that Brazil has pretty much said that he's mandatory for a while now. We've had him on the show a couple of times talking about that situation. Where does this leave Dillian White, though? not in a good place it would seem although we're hearing lots of rumors about an ESPN deal nothing uh, nothing formal to announce at the minute but it's, it's a shame because he was probably the best heavyweight in 2018 Dillian White had a fantastic 2018 but that is about it best of luck to everybody with the predictions this weekend thank you all for listening please leave us a review on iTunes and we'll see you all again next week <laughs>